welcome to the Active Faith Podcast, where we explore an active self-care lifestyle. My name is Andrew Ware. I am your host, and I am the Running Rev. This is more than just going for a run or a bike ride. These are conversations with others as we seek to build a theology of self-care together, exploring how we take that initiative to care for ourselves in whatever way feels best for us as we seek to live out our faith. This is the third week of this sermon series that I am offering to my church as I seek to preach from the pulpit about self-care. And this week, I dive into mental health. And this is something that really does not get talked about in the church all that much. In fact, uh, this is the first sermon that I can think of where mental health was the main topic of the sermon and in all of the sermons that I've heard and preached. And so hopefully in this, we can begin to unpack that insight of what it looks like to care for ourselves. Uh, Again, here at the top, I'm not going to have an outro. And so here at the top, I want to go ahead and thank my patrons, David Bond, Pam Anderson, Amy Dane. Don't forget, if you want to help to support this podcast, Head on over to patreon.com slash run and rev to help support what I am doing in this podcast. Now let us jump into this message. The scripture lesson for this message comes from the book of Philippians chapter 4 verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the peace of God will be with you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our heart be holy and pleasing to you, that through your word this day we would grow closer to you, learn more about your love in our lives, and learn more about caring for ourselves to care for others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, you know, when I, uh, when I felt called to preach, to lead this series, I wanted to do so in a way that presented this ideology, this all-inclusive, this holistic nature of developing a theology of self-care. This idea that self-care is an embedded part of who we are. And with this in mind, that often might mean for us, as we are coping with self-care in a faith-based manner, in a manner of relating our own love, our own worth, and our own care to the way that God loves us, it might often mean that we have to put away any preconceived notions, any societal norms that might stand in our way of really, truly, and honestly caring for ourselves. It means putting away these ideas of selfishness, putting away these ideas of feeling judged, of being condemned, and it really means focusing on who we are as a person so that we are in a better place mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically to do the work that God calls us to do. And so self-care in the way that we're discussing this, as I've said, is how we live a healthy lifestyle 
that seeks to embody the great commandment that we looked at in the first week, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? And it's in those two commandments that we base the entirety of our life, of our faith, and how we exist upon. And so therefore, our entire manner of self-care hinges on these two commandments as well. We live into both of these commandments, first knowing that a loving God instills a sense of self-worth that gives us this confidence to know that we are loved, not just by God, but that we are also called to, be, to know that we are loved by others as well. And, and sometimes that's the difficult part. Sometimes knowing we're loved by love others, or, or sometimes in some cases trusting that we're loved by others is, a, is the more difficult thing. But we start from that basis that we know that God loves us. And again, like we talked about last week, that instills this sense of self-worth within us. It does a lot for us to know that we are loved. And then, from that, we take this manner of self-care, of self-worth, as the genuine nature of loving ourselves and taking care of ourselves, and then loving others with the same love that we have received and that we have expressed within our own hearts and spirits. And so this is why I say it's like our love for others is contingent on how we love ourselves. And I'm not saying we can't love others if we don't love ourselves. I'm not, I'm not, but what I'm saying is there are often things that can hold us back if we do not truly know and understand love within ourselves first. It will color and it'll it'll color and distort the image of God that we show to others. And so self-care tells us. That in order to care for ourselves, we have, to, we have to put away these other ways that maybe the world or society tells us to care for ourselves. We've talked about it before. This is not a, a get-rich-quick scheme. This is not, you know, lose 50 pounds in 10 hours. This is, it's none of that stuff. This is a holistic, healthy understanding for ourselves. And it's a healthy understanding that we have to learn how to define for ourselves. Because it's going to look different for each of us. And so as we move along in this series, and now we begin, we've, we've, we've identified what is self-care and our biblical basis for caring for ourselves. We've established the nature in which in order to care for ourselves, we, we first have to know that we are loved. And so now we're going to dive into a lot of these different facets of self-care and what it looks like to actually care for ourselves. And so it means putting aside what society maybe calls us to be, thinks we should be, and instead moving into that understanding of how God confirms, loves, and identifies with us. And so the first place that I want to dive into is mental health. Right? And always and everywhere, this is always a touchy subject because when we experience mental health in our lives, when we see mental health uh, uh, projected in the lives of others, it, it, it can be an uncomfortable thing. And so as a society, we often have trouble dealing with mental health because we're often afraid of it or it's become stigmatized. And so sometimes we'll even turn to scriptures like this. And we'll look at the way that we are called to just not worry. But like many of the other scriptures, when we dive that, we, that I've used so far in this series and that I'll continue to use, when we dive deeper into these scriptures, we see, a, we see a much deeper understanding than we often look at at face value. When we come in and we separate this idea and look at a holistic lifestyle 
that helps us to break down who we are called to be and the way we're called to take care of ourselves. We see this nature of vulnerability, of humility, and of deep understanding and empathy that exists within us and that can then be used to help to serve others. Now, for most of my life, probably all of my life, if we believe modern medicine, I have struggled with anxiety and ADHD, two diagnosed mental disorders that often flat out prevent me from feeling like a functional human being. And when I say functional, I mean I will literally walk into my office and sit and look at my computer for like two hours, paralyzed by being able to do anything. And often when we think about mental health, we think about those quick, short phrases of advice. Oftentimes, the unhelpful advice that just tells us to get beyond it, but doesn't actually seek to address the problem that we may have. Recognizing how our dialogue is called to shift to bring peace in the midst of struggle. And so we read passages like this, right? We read this passage from Paul, from Paul in Philippians 4, and what do we see Paul say? Don't be anxious about anything. <clears throat> I'm going to call malarkey because I can't say the words that I actually want to say probably from the pulpit. Right? It can feel like a real gut punch when we feel like we are truly struggling with something for us to be told or for the mentality to be just get over it. I mean, trust me, I wish, there are some days that I wish that I just wasn't, that I did not have anxiety. Or some days I wish, like, I wish I could just focus. And, like, my brain worked like what I think a normal brain might look like. But it takes much deeper and more intentional work. And it takes not only us ourselves practicing healthy self-care, but it takes those around us from acknowledging what healthy self-care practices look like. Because we cannot divorce these two natures of caring for ourselves and caring for others. We cannot sidestep uncomfortable feelings, and we cannot seek to just make problems go away. But unfortunately, this is what we've done, right? I went and I, I uh, put out on Facebook this week, I was like, give me your self-care advice. And I asked them for wrong answers only. Like, what is some of the worst self-care advice you've gotten? Right? Some people said, you should really stop feeling that way. You have plenty to be happy about. Just find the joy, right? The Bible says we should be joyful. God doesn't want you to be sad. Well, just focus on the good. Or God would never give you more than you can handle. Even some people expressing that they turn to different home remedies, like indulgence, overconsumption, sometimes even abuse. But here's the thing about humans. In my short time on this earth, one of the things that I have learned about us is we have feelings. I know, it only took me 33 years to get that one. We have feelings. And you know what's okay? Is to have feelings. Feelings are healthy. 
And we'll talk a little bit more about expressing those feelings and expressing those emotions in a couple of weeks. But I think what happens is in our good intentions, because I, I don't believe that any of these sayings are delivered with the purpose and expressed intention of hurting anybody. I, I don't believe that. I believe when we say these things, we really genuinely want to help people feel better. But what we're ignoring sometimes are the real experiences of what people are going through. Because as someone who struggles with mental health, sometimes it's not as easy as just not worrying. Sometimes it takes deeper understanding of what is actually going on. And I think when we dive deeper into this scripture and we look beyond those first few verses, we begin to see that. Right? And we don't just cherry pick out that line of, do, of Paul saying, do not worry, or even Jesus in Matthew 6 saying, don't worry. But when we look deeper, we see a greater understanding. Because you see, Paul invites his reader, Paul invites those who are hearing this passage to consider two things that happen within our lives. Right, let's go, go into your notes there and, and let's look at what Paul is saying. Because when we get into it, we see, and we see that nice rosy language that Paul offers, right? Paul starts there in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, right? Okay, let's just be happy. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. Let's, the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. All right, Paul, I'm feeling anxious because you told me that. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How many of us hear a quick fix in there? When we read a little bit deeper in there, do we, do we see Paul just flat out, oh, just stop worrying? No, where does, where does Paul move from that phrase? Paul moves into relationship with God. Paul moves into a deep and abiding presence with God. Paul doesn't ignore the chaos. But Paul establishes something to bring balance to the chaos. Paul establishes the peace of God which surpasses all understanding as a balance to the chaos that's in our lives. And so when we come into this, when we bring in this unhealthy understanding, you know, suffering from anxiety, depression, or, or any number of mental disorders, it's not about a lack of faith. It's not about a lack of prayer. But there is this opportunity within our lives as we are seeking an understanding of what it is to be a human being, to find the peace of God to balance out the chaos that is in our lives. And listen to how I said balance. Because again, we, we want it to be gone, but I, I think unfortunately the way we understand mental health is it doesn't just go away. But it's an opportunity to have a relationship that helps us to understand what it means to find that peace. 
You know, earlier this year, Sarah and I, we love to read, and, and, and we'll often recommend books to each other. And, and Sarah read this one book by an author named T.J. Klune called uh, House by the Cerulean Sea. And, and, I, and I read that, and I loved it. It was a great book. And then she recommended another book by him called Under the Whispering Door. And she was a little skeptical about offering it to me because it, it's about death. It's about grief. It's about anxiety. And oftentimes reading about those things from a pastoral perspective often gets a little uncomfortable for me. That's something that I'm trying to work through. But in reading this book, I, I, I love the insight that the, author, that the author brings when he talks about anxiety. Because he talks about anxiety as something that is bringing peace in the midst of these overwhelming times. And there's this one interaction in the book between two of the main characters. And one of the main characters is just having this horrible, awful anxiety panic attack. And is just sitting down on the deck outside of this house. And you can just feel from the words in the book that this character is just suffering from a deep internal mental pain. And one of the other characters in the book just walks up and just taps rhythmically on the deck, offering a manner of peace in the midst of the chaos. He doesn't know that it's going to fix the problem, but in that he's doing two things. He's helping to reconnect the person to this reality that is outside of their current experience of life, of anxiety, and letting him know that there's someone there who is just there to love, to care. For me, it's, it's this centering breath. Breaking my existence back down to the basics. All I need to do is breathe. Now, sometimes this works better than others. Sometimes it takes quite a while to get out of spells. But you see, mental health is about finding these ways that we can cope with those things that are all around us. It's finding the things and the ways, the manners that work for us to help us overcome and live with what is happening in our minds. And this is the same understanding that Paul is offering to us. <clears throat> Paul is offering us here, not a quick fix, but is offering us peace. Peace not to get rid of the chaos, but peace to balance the chaos. Right? Paul offers prayer. Paul offers supplication. Paul offers things that in these moments where our human psyche is broken, that there is something, there are ways that we can practice to hopefully draw us back in. Right? It's not about not being anxious. It's not about not worrying. It's not about quick problem solving. But it's about finding ways within the hardest and most tumultuous times in our lives to reconnect with that that grounds us, that brings us back. It's less about taking the worry and anxiety out altogether and more about stopping, pausing, and reflecting in the midst of these mentally difficult times. 
And we see this not just from Paul, because Paul doesn't just pull this idea out of nowhere. Paul gets this idea from Jesus. And we see even in the Sermon on the Mount, when Jesus is preaching in Matthew 6, Jesus is not like, just don't worry. But he names worry for what it is. Jesus names worry as a moment in time. And names our deep abiding relationship, our, our faith and the way that we connect and the way we connect with our community, those around us and the way we connect with the things that God puts in our lives. And those don't just develop overnight, right? We have to form those relationships. And yes, this often means seeking professional help. Sometimes it means uh, being medicated. Sometimes it means having friends, communities, loved ones around us who can help to calm us in the midst of a storm. Right? We so badly, when we realize that something bad is going on, we just try and stamp it down and put it away. But we don't do the work, the long, the sometimes long work that it takes to really invite within us a relationship that helps us to not get rid of the chaos, but to bring peace. Right, I have one of my very co- close pastor friends, Ryan, Ryan LaRock. He, he serves here in this district with, with me um, and just a great friend. He, he wrote a, a blog post about this a number of years ago. And he talks about how as practitioners of self-care, we have to know and understand the ways that we grow even in the midst of what we might feel is holding us back. And he establishes this idea that we let our stories inform the ministry that we offer. And in that, the self-care that we offer to ourselves. Right? And so he talks, he says, you know, first, we can't present faith as a band-aid. We can't just say faith is going to make everything better. But it's the affirmation that nurtures the choices and decisions that we make. Right, it's not just about praying it away, but sometimes it's about lamenting. We don't just try and tamp it down into our subconscious and get rid of it, but sometimes it's expressing what we truly feel. It's not just it's not isolating ourselves, but it's finding community. And then he encourages this idea of professional health. As a means of grace, right? This is something that is deeply embedded in our Methodist tradition, this idea of means of grace, that we have these practices that truly and wholly connect us to the grace that God offers to us. And so if we're going to take mental health seriously as a form of self-care, then we connect the way in which we receive God's grace as seeking true and honest help. And then he reminds us to be visual reminders of God's grace and presence, Not just trying to tell people where God is or isn't or what God is or is not doing. But literally within our presence, whether we say anything or not, to in itself be a reminder of God's grace. And then lastly, to shift our culture, whether church or societal, away from hesitancy and towards understanding. Because hesitancy tells us that mental health is uncomfortable. But understanding gives us an empathetic mindset to not only help to unpack our own mental health, but to truly engage as we seek to not only care for ourselves, but also others. And then Paul closes. We see this as Paul closes this passage with all 
of these things. Reminding us for the peace of God to be with us. Establishing the peace of God that is within us, that comes through the practice of faith, a holistic approach to caring for ourselves, found both within us and within our communities of faith. This means that I can't get rid of my anxiety. It means that occasionally, sometimes, you, you might see me at a council meeting curled up in a ball just trying to, like, breathe. I don't know that I've done that here yet, but I've done that before. Sometimes it means just sitting in my car for a couple of minutes longer and just letting out all of my feelings and frustration. It means knowing how it means I interact with others in certain situations. Sometimes it causes me to look over my shoulder. Sometimes it causes me to worry about things that may seem silly to some folks. But... As I tell Sarah, welcome to my brain. It's a fun place to live. And self-care has taught me ways my anxiety is not a deterrent. It's taught me ways that I can live with my ADHD. Not as a deterrent for relationships or vocation. But to find those around me the God within me, to find that peace that surpasses all understanding. I mean, we all have struggles. I don't think there's any doubt in that. But sometimes it's the way that we respond to those struggles. And even more so, the way we respond to these struggles in faith that help define how we can move forward. If we seek to blame God or to blame even our own lack of faith, what kind of self-love, self-worth, self-care does that present for us? No. I mean, there's going to be chaos in our lives, friends. I'm a living example of that. <laughs> it's the peace of God that works within us, in the midst of the storms, that balances it out, that helps us to find that sense of peace within us. It's our friends. It's our neighbors. It's our community. It's those around us. It's the practices that we have instilled in our own self-care journeys, the meditation, the prayer itself, even times like worship that help to remind us of the peace of God that is within us to help us know that the chaos cannot overpower us. <clears throat> I mean, it's still going to be there. Unfortunately, I can't take it all away. But I can tell you that God's peace is there. And we can help to explore what that means we can help explore practices that help us to unlock, to know all of those different ways. It's not how we get rid of the chaos, but how we find peace in the midst of the storm. Amen.
And as we continue to move on in our worship service, we come to this moment of prayer. Of spiritual engagement in God's presence. And we call upon that peace of God to reside within us. To bring about those practices that help us remain grounded and centered on who God calls us to be. We pray for the hurt and pain that exists in this world. Both the one that sits heavily in our hearts. And the pain that we cannot even begin to.